Hello there, this is Rich Change Leicester Square Theatre Podcast. We've got Johnny Vegas on today, it's worth hanging around. But before that, let me just tell you, this episode of Raha Lerstapur, Raha Lerstapur, is sponsored by Simon Love to attempt to get people to buy his debut solo LP, It Seemed Like a Good Idea at the Time, which is out via the Fortuna Pop record label on LP, CD, do they still do those? And download on the 7th of August. For some reason, LPs are released on Fridays now, he says. I don't care. The LP consists of 12 songs, mostly about love, hate and Elton John. One of the songs, The Meaning of Love, has Stuart Lee reading the Wikipedia entry of love over the top of Simon and his band, The Old Romantics, attempting to be a soul band. That makes sense, doesn't it? Because I did a show about love. So yeah, get Stuart Lee to... Yeah, I want to get Stuart Lee to do that. Just sell out, get the commercial bloke off the telly to do it. Rather than the cool, the cool guy reading off a bit of email. Anyway, there's a free launch party for the record at Tamasis Dock Boat Venue Place in London on Thursday the 13th of August. I can't believe he's inviting you all to go there. I'm not sure that's true, uh, but it's there. So there'll be some other bands playing as well too, probably. Go to that if you like free music. You can follow Simon on Twitter at Simon Love Rules. Listen to some of his songs at simonlove.bandcamp.com. Buy the LP from www.fortunapop.com. Thank you for sponsoring the episode, Simon. Um, your poor choice of comedy has let you down. But apart from that, you're all right. Let's watch. This is a good one. I've seen it. Johnny Vegas's Rehearsal. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. Please welcome a man who has just been on eBay buying up as many Amstrad emailer phones as he could find. It's Richard Herring. <laughs> Welcome to Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast, or as some of the cool kids have started calling it, Rehearsal Leicester Power. And it's uh, been very exciting. We have, uh, I've got a giveaway to give away to the audience, as promised last week. Uh, if you remember, I talked to someone in the audience, I'm one of the, I think maybe the first or second podcast, who was called Dan. He works for insertcoinclothing.com. He sent me some t-shirts and he sent me, look, this is going to drive you n- nerds insane. Look, it's a bag, but it's a play, it's got a PlayStation. It's literally got a play, yeah. And I don't want that, I'm 47, I'm only 48 years old. So I'll give this to one of the nerds in the audience. I have to decide. I'm going to decide. None of them are wearing badges. So I'm going to decide by. Yeah, oh, there's a man wearing a badge. Would you like? Would you like that PlayStation? Would you? Not. Why not? Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Why not? No. You can't have it. Would you wear this every day and go to work carrying it and put your? What? You, what? Can you wash it? What are you planning to do with it? It's not that exciting, is it? Bloody hell! So what? What do you do for a living, sir? The unemployed artists, yeah. Well, you don't deserve a free back. <laughs> get, a, get a job. This is Cameron's Britain now, mate. What would you, what would you like to do if you, if you had a job? You, you'd like to get some money. You have to get a job. You have to have an idea of what the job's going to be. What, what's your field of expertise? English teaching, that's a, that's a noble profession. If you, if I give you this bag and you get a job as an English teacher, do you promise you will go into school every day wearing this ba- with this bag? Because if you do, I think the kids will bully you. Uh, my, my friend Jeff Quigley uh, had a bag uh, that his dad worked in. I don't know, his dad must have worked in mechanics or something, but he, he had his, he had, you know, we all had Adidas bags. Uh, and d- d- differently, but Jeff Quigley, my friend, his bag said snap on tools on it. <laughs> Which, he didn't get bullied much at school for that. There you, there you go, what's your name? Joe. Joe, there you go, Joe. You joined in a bit in the first half, so there you go. Give a round of applause to the unemployed man. <laughs> Let's catch my... Now only the people with jobs applaud. <laughs> 
Thank you very much, Joe. Uh, you know, we always wondered what Adidas stood for when we were at school. You know, my friend Phil Fry thought it stood for, uh, stood for all day I dream about sex. My friend Dave Tozer, he disagreed. He said it stood for after dinner I did a shit. That's what it stood for. <laughs> Uh, I countered that it was actually named after the uh, Addy Adolf and something Das who ran a bag manufacturing company in Germany in the 1920s and they, it was a conglomeration of his Adolf Das and they became Addy Das. I was bullied a lot at school. Uh, that's one of the things I have to try and remember. I nearly got there from memory which is that's part of the show Headmaster Son. I'm actually doing all 12 of my uh, one-man shows here at the Leicester Square Theatre in August and September and I've started trying to remember the shows and relearn them and do them again and stuff. It's a stupid fucking idea. This was 18 hours of material plus a new show at the end I'll be doing. I thought, oh, I'll give myself a break from Edinburgh this year. I'll just do all of my shows and a new show. That'll be easy with a tiny baby at home. <laughs> fucking idiot. Uh, it's kind of weird as well going back looking at your old material because some of this is from 10, 12 years ago. I've changed a lot since the, the, the oh, fuck, I'm 40 uh, days. Uh, I think like some of the, I don't, I think in the light of Operation Utree, I don't think I would do some of the material I did in that show. <laughs> <laughs> times, times and tastes change. I think Twitter's going to go a little bit mad if they see some of, the, some of the jokes I did in those shows taken out of context. I love Twitter, you're fantastic. Anyway, let's crack on with the show. We've given away a bag. That's how... That's if you come down and see the show, you could get a bag. That is... Or something else. You never know what you might get. Uh, so do come down. Go to lessquaretheatre.com and you can get tickets for either this show or any of my other shows. Uh, but uh, our next guest this week, our guest this week, I mean, uh, is... He's probably best known as Gully Sutherland from Tipping the Velvet. That's why we're all here. That's, why we, that's what we mainly want to talk about today. Will you please welcome, ladies and gentlemen, it's Johnny Vegas, ladies and gentlemen. Johnny Vegas. It really is. Come in. Cheers. Thank you for coming. Sit down. Make yourself at home. How are you doing? I'm, I'm good. good. Thank you for making that reference. Nobody yeah. ever remembers my... Ten seconds on that. <laughs> well, it was a good. I remember tipping the velvet because it was there was some. Uh, it was about Victorian lesbians, wasn't it? Was that what the? Well, it was, but I, I, you know, it was almost like a Mike Lee go off and research your character. <laughs> right. I spent um, I, there was five fittings for me wig, and me stick on beard, and then this tweed jacket, and then they got me to to sort of improvise about twenty minutes of. Uh, Vaudeville stand-up. Oh, really? <laughs> that they never used. You know, it was just one of them on the day. You go, it's one of the toughest jobs I ever did. And I was just gone like that. And they're going, get back to the woman with the woman. <laughs> yeah. Had a big... Like, who's bothered? Do. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know... Oh, sorry to bring it up again. I didn't realise how, uh, tra how damaging oh, well, it was. No, I thought that was going to be me breaking into... You know, that was going to be my way in yeah. to, to serious acting. And... Um, Obviously, it wasn't. <laughs> you found your Quite way obviously. in there since then, though. You have done a lot of serious acting. Oh, yeah, I was, I was amazing in um, The Liberty. I want to <laughs> check out the accent on that. Who are we going to the first huh? <laughs> It's coming to sum up when Johnny Depp does a better English accent than you. <laughs> <laughs> it you've, was woeful. You've done Chekhov, you've done Bleak House. You've done Celebrity Juice. Bleak You've done everything. <laughs> Bleak House was all right, but it was a yeah. masterclass in editing because I'd, I'd learnt it back to front, but nerves got the best of me. You know that I can name the birds? <laughs> Couldn't. <laughs> Walked in on the first day and went, I can name the birds. <laughs> 
Phil, <laughs> Jeff, whoever he was, the young actor. I actually heard him whisper, he's going, this is what happens when you bring in, uh, you bring in a comedian to do an actor's job. <laughs> I mean, confidence when, and I, the last, I remember thinking that day on the scene, if you just, when they say action, run up and jump out of that window and run off across the rooftops, it'll make a brilliant story one day. <laughs> and I'll never forgive myself for not being brave enough to just leg it. <laughs> just run off from the set and go, I'm out of here, suckers! <laughs> you name the fucking birds! <laughs> but I didn't, I stuck around and the producer came in and helped me take my shoes off and that's when you know you're in trouble. <laughs> Uh, we're going to put some boards up after lunch. You know, and you go, really? With all the words on. I did get through it once, but this huge fucking wood pigeon. I got it right. The one time I got it right, and this huge fucking pigeon fell off the perch, and everyone had thought it had died. <laughs> and the animal wrangler ran on and ruined me shots. I was so pleased with myself, and I stayed in character. And the you next day I was like, well that's not bad, your first day was awful. <laughs> the producer's coming in, helps you undress. <laughs> trying to remind you of how shit you were. And uh, tomorrow you're doing a scene with Charles Dance. Because <laughs> <laughs> I hate, if, if you're not from a, an acting background, it's really, it is, every job is, it's almost like going to a new school every day. Yeah, yeah, it's you know what I mean? Everybody knows each other. Yeah. You don't, you, you don't have the... The, the craft of, I think, confidence. I, I, I think, think it's, it's mainly it's confidence isn't acting. It? Well, you know, but then it's also, you're in, you're, once you're in the club, you're in the club as well. And it's like, you know, I think acting, the people who are really good at acting are really good, but there's a lot of, it's not, there's a lot of actors that the job isn't necessarily that hard, I think, you know what I mean? But they're in, they get to the point where they think we're the most important people in this production. Yeah, but they don't want anybody else to know that. Yeah, yeah exactly. And the last thing they want is, is comics coming exactly. in. You know what I mean? They've been trained to go to rehearsals going, or to auditions, you know, fundamentally going, I'm your man. Yeah. Whereas I, I you know, Carter as a comic, you turn up and you go, mm-hmm. But I'm sure, I mean, is, you know. Is, uh, is, I always remember Sean Lock going, I love the chat. You know, with the director, <laughs> yeah. I love the chat. And then at the point where they go, well, should we have a read? And he, he says, I always want to go, no. <laughs> it's like bullseye. You know, and they go, do you want to go for the, and he goes, no, I've had a cracking day. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just take the tankard. <laughs> Thank you. And the money. And that's always me. We go, let's not spoil this. We're getting on really well. <laughs> I went in to read for a shrunken head on Harry Potter. And you're going, once I watch the movie, you're going, who cast me thinking I could do a Barbados accent? <laughs> Where was the huge shock value that Lenny Henry stole that part from her? That is, it's one of them, you know, you sit in the cinema and you go, I'm not really angry about losing out on that one. <laughs> I should have got Sam Ganji. Yeah. I didn't know they wanted, you know what I mean, a, a proper, oh, I don't know, Mr. Stoddoy. <laughs> I went into him, my own genuine, just me. I went and watched that. So I paid for me, me and my brother, we went to watch it. And the worst thing was just before it, an advert come on for PG Tips. <laughs> And it was pretty much there on the big screen. This is your destiny. <laughs> and what made it worse was a bloke sat three seats away from us who just leant forward. 
and stared at me in disbelief as if you couldn't be in two places at once. And his fucking eyes were burning into me as my... As I got ready to watch what could have been just drift away into the distance. <laughs> but I think, I mean, I think a lot of that also, that that feeling comes from the insecurity within you. I think a lot of comedians are quite insecure about that. I mean, I always feel, I feel the same when I, I go for acting auditions. I think, oh, I'm terrible. And, you know, and it, is a, it is a confidence thing. But I think maybe you think it's a club and they actually are all like, none of us can believe we're here and you're all... Well. I think they're more afraid than all of us. If you yeah. talk to more, most actors, the one thing that terrifies them is stand-up. Yeah. Yeah. For them, it, it, it's you know what I mean. All the classes say it's the loneliest job in the world. It's all down to you. It's down to if you work with any actors who you know they go. Should we live? Should we play around? And you would think they've just said, "Should we finger your mum?" <laughs> <laughs> you, you see the look in their eyes, don't you? Of, of, of going off script. Do, do I look like Schumacher? <laughs> it's. Um, which is what we'd probably enjoy a bit more is going, yeah. let's mess around with it. Once you get the chance to do it more of it, you learn that. But I, I think going into it, it's, it's never... If you, if you get a few more jobs in, then you'll meet someone that you've worked with. You know what I yeah, mean? There's yeah. somebody to sit with. I mean, you're an actor now, though. You're, mainly in, you're, you're more an actor than a, a stand-up now, aren't you? You're not really, when, when was the last time you did stand-up? Well, people would say... <laughs> <laughs> opinions on that very... Many would say I never did. Um, it, it, uh, I, I, a long time. I've, yeah. I've been going out and trying to do... I, it's odd that I'm, I'm sort of trying to get back into it, but I'm trying to get back into it as um, less Johnny, yeah. more me, which is really hard because the temptation to not give in and yeah, it's a complicated and, and, relationship and you have with your on-stage character. Yeah, I would say even like even for most comedians, who, all comedians are, are playing some kind of heightened version of themselves. Sometimes playing a character, but your character is well, it it's, it's quite hard to do. Well, yeah, it comes from a darker depth. It's doesn't a darker it? place, and it's sort of part of you. And I've sort of seen you discuss the fact that it's a voice in your head that you can give, you know, give access to the stage and get it out. Is that is that fair? I can, but I don't like to because no. he just. If, if this. Again, from a confidence point of view, if I'd have drank a lot more and let Johnny come out here, we wouldn't have this table now, <laughs> would we? <laughs> let's. Let's be honest, we'd be mid lawsuit. <laughs> The man with the bag would be hanging from one of the lighting um, things. It, it's, it sounds like God because I, I, that was a part of me that Johnny was fearless about performing comedy. Yeah. I, I have the utmost respect for comedy and don't find myself funny. Johnny would, would go, I'll show you funny. Let's look at what you've written. That's shite, that's shite, that's it. But I'm going to go out and mess around with this thing that you wrote here and would do 20, 30 minutes with it. Do you know what I mean? Of yeah. Stuff that I could never come up with yeah. on my own. But I, was... think that's the, I think that's any performer has that to some degree. I think with you, it yeah. does seem like a much more extreme transition from what the things I've read about it. But any, you know, I can sit at home and write, you know, write some material, but if I come on stage and start you know, letting it form itself... 
that yeah. is much better than the stuff I write at home. So I think any comedian has that, but perhaps not to the level oh, oh, where, yeah. they're, I'm, I'm, where I'm they're, not they're feeling, let's ch chain up this other part of me. That I'm, not, I'm not for a second saying it's, it, it, it's any different in the process. Because it's, it's mad sometimes, isn't it, that you can... You might write 10 minutes and quietly go, I think this is the best thing I've ever written. And one heckle of something you've written takes you in a direction. And you're suddenly going, it's a killer because what you've gone off on yeah. is better than that 10 minutes yes, that yeah, you've really yeah. worked and crafted. And yet you're going, it took that prompt. You know, it's the it difference does, of write, yeah. writing, in your, and writing at home, writing in front of a desk but checking it out and running here. And there's just something about having an audience, I think, and they're just being, I, you know, I just love that when you get into that. It's not, it doesn't happen every time, certainly for me anyway, but you've got that kind of, it feels like a white heat of energy and suddenly you go bang and the thing that you've been trying to, even if you've been doing a show for a while, suddenly you get to a bit and you get it right all of a sudden. Yeah. Something happens and you just change it and you change everything and what you've been struggling to write for a day just comes out better than you could ever have ever Yeah, yeah, it. yeah, because you've got that pressure. Yeah, yeah. Of lots of people going, well, it isn't, it isn't you wondering <laughs> too, and going, what do you think about this? And it's, it's very hard as well when you're in a relationship because when you show it to someone and you can just tell the way they walk off, <laughs> you've not run it in. You've not, you know what I mean? I always vowed I'd never be, you know, the comics that you met that would run material in as natural conversation. Yeah. And you're like, fuck you. <laughs> You've done a lot with your day. <laughs> what, you went to visit a church and then you did this and then you did this and it's all trying to pass it off as natural conversation. You did not do that. I know for the fact you probably spent two thirds of it masturbating out of fear. I, uh, I can't, I, yeah, I, I, I can't, it's weird because you can't discuss it with anyone. No. It's such a personal. Do you know what I mean? That's a yeah, a yeah, personal yeah. thing until it gets out there. Yeah. And then, thankfully, the audience will, will be pretty honest with what's working and what's not. And yeah. it's how you adapt to it working and not working once you get out there. Yeah, of course. Now, me, myself, I would then start apologising profusely and uh, create a puddle. Whereas jo Johnny would go, it was meant to fail. <laughs> I think that was always his thing was, it was meant to fail, it wasn't meant to be... I think I, primarily that was, it's not meant to be funny. I'm not yeah, here to make you laugh. But was brave enough to stand up there and go, I don't want to be funny. Yeah, well, the exciting thing about watching, and I saw your 1997 show, which you won the, uh, the big award for in Edinburgh, I think, didn't you? What I you didn't, won? did I? I uh, didn't you? No, <laughs> Jesus Christ, I was bitter as... <laughs> well, you should have done. It was, it was uh, but... Uh, but you know, there was, it was a terrifying show because you just didn't know, you, you don't know, the, it feels like the character on stage is out of control, which isn't, isn't often the case with the stand-up. Oddly, that was the only year that it was, I hadn't known that thing of working a room for an hour, you know, where you had to be out on a certain point. Yeah. So for all the material, went up for the first time to go and then go, right, it's got to be an hour, it's got to be this. And from all the, from gigging up, up north, and it's not this north versus south thing, you know, the, 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 the comic. It isn't, but we had, we had fewer clubs, and as, as a comper, we, you were sort of hired to carry the night, not do seven minutes. It was, especially Fog and Bucket, yeah. Dave wanted his money's worth, so you were probably doing <laughs> an hour and a half every weekend when you went out there. So we had all this material to put in, 
but but it but it had a beginning, middle, and end. It had a story to it. Yeah. And I would I, when I was writing the the book sort of ends with Johnny finally taking over. But I think I, I think that was that was the the best moment of me writing Johnny wanting to go out of control, but it's sticking to a storyline. Yeah. Within the show. Okay. Yeah. I think beyond that. Johnny started to go, I don't need this, I don't need parameters. And then you're going, you've got three-hour gigs that have just been awful. Because <laughs> you can only say 17 times where you're from. <laughs> and then people just go, he's very opinionated on um, any word he wasn't born. <laughs> he seems very angry. He should, I wish he'd grown up on a small island. In the middle of nowhere with no knowledge. And do you think to an extent that... Of Scarborough. <laughs> do you think to an extent that being... Because obviously became very successful very quickly, and, but then in a way success was, you know, the Johnny Vegas character sort of came from a place of failure, really, I suppose. So for, it was success's kryptonite, really, and that makes it difficult for... Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Even going into, I think, bigger theatres... In bigger rooms, yeah. it was a big that Johnny wanted to talk to somebody in the front row. And when there's a second tier who can't hear what you're on about because he didn't even hold the mic close enough, <laughs> it was it was an interesting thing that first time round of of and, and interesting now to could you write a show for a bigger? It was it was almost like a, an art school experiment yeah. that 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 continued but had to end at some point yeah. from a, a self-destructive point of view. But from uh, 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 sort of Johnny never wanted that success. Do you know what I mean? He never yeah. wanted to play a big room. It wasn't about that. He was playing a, a decent gig to a decent size. And success was people wanted to... It's madness because it's all in your own head, but you're going, he <laughs> hated dumbing down to do TV. Yeah. When you did TV, and then we did, you do the adverts, that's the inevitable thing. You're suddenly selling tea. <laughs> and it's been far more successful than you know, anticipated. And then when it comes to a gig, Johnny's going, fuck your tea. <laughs> and he's going out with no shirt, shouting at people, and there's rows of people getting up going, Jemima, we're leaving. <laughs> Because I think they genuinely thought they were coming to see a puppet show. <laughs> and Johnny was like, you'll do that. If you want to buy yourself, you know what I mean, clothes that fit, go and do it. But I ain't doing it when it comes to the gigs. The, the live stuff was always sort of pretty much belonged to him. No, I didn't have a say in it, but I, I'm always amazed when I do these interviews. I sound like I should be sectioned. <laughs> I can't even say it. Sectioned. <laughs> it is, I that mean, sectioned. I think out of anyone, you know, I've talked to lots of comedians and I've talked a lot about that. You know, I, I, I do stuff where I play, I feel I play around a little bit with mental issues. Uh, but it, to actually, you know, and I, do, I play myself a snooker as two different personalities, you know, going, uh, it's, nice, kind of crazy. it's nice, isn't it, when you can play with mental issues it is. and not be mental. Yeah, well, like, one hopes so. <laughs> one hopes so. You but get it, to walk away from it without really <laughs> it alienating is. the people 
think last year. <laughs> but it, you know, you're talking about yourself as if you're not, as if this person isn't you at all, and that is as someone who could take control of you in a different situation. So does, does that, is that know, genuinely yeah, how it feels? I know where you're going though, where it's, like, it's almost like a cop-out, and you go, it isn't a cop-out, it, it was a, 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 he's a, he's a person that lives within me, but he's, he's not me. I, I, I ended up, and I do mean it, I, I was more like PR for him. <laughs> After the gig, I, I did a, a Marie Curie fundraiser. <laughs> in this working man's club and it was, everyone was dying. And Johnny walked across the tables and ended up, there was a table with people all with the same t-shirts on and he stuck his shirt in this girl's mouth and went, drink my Guinness and poured it down his front. <laughs> After the gig, I'm sat in the dressing room and it's like I've got control of my body again and I'm, I'm sitting there and she's like, well, I hope you're proud of yourself. <laughs> that poor girl with learning difficulties has gone home in tears. They brought him out on a special trip to see this <laughs> fundraiser. <laughs> Johnny, in Johnny's head, they were on some kind of stag or hen <laughs> And it got big laughs. But suddenly it was this thing of going, we, I, I, genuinely, it was like, you know what, we could be in a lot of trouble. Well done. <laughs> and when you sat backstage as, as Michael Benison going, I'm, I'm really sorry. And they're going, don't, don't make out like you don't know what you just did. And you're going, it wasn't, it, it was me, but it wasn't me. He looks like me. <laughs> I would never... I would never stuff any any bit of my tailoring in a woman's mouth. <laughs> and I certainly wouldn't relinquish Guinness <laughs> for nothing. <laughs> and the word genuine moments like that where you're going, I'm really sorry. In the heat of the moment, Johnny's gone, this, you know what I mean? We yeah. need someone to turn the gig around. For myself afterwards, you're obviously going, okay, I will um, step back from the charity for a few years and <laughs> let you rebuild. <laughs> But comedy sort of needs that free freedom. I think they, you know, they, they, I think most comedians will get some kind of. Well, most comedians will get some kind of after show worry. You know, they'll go, "Oh, I said, you know, I, I will. I'll say something. Go, why did I say that? Why did I do this, this and that?" And you'll feel as mortified as anyone that's ever going to make you feel. But you need that freedom on the stage to be able to do. Well, you do. But look at the, the like the, the social media thing now. Had yeah. Twitter had things been around then. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, no, it it's is. getting harder and harder, and it's almost like work and planning. And I, I, there are times where you're going, "There's comics apologising for things that, that that needn't be." I don't think needn't be apologised for. No. But within the gig scenario, when you see it in a hard print, yeah, what's been said, taken out of context by the wrong person, but that gets picked up on. You know, John Ronson's book. Yeah, it's, it's a brilliant thing. This notion of going one wrong word when your job is actually to go out and you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Comics like yourself who, who plan. <laughs> Not tonight. <laughs> um, no, but they go out um, to think that one foot over the mark can 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 then well, yeah, it's be recorded on media as that's what you stood for, and you're going. 
by people who have an opinion on you who never came to a show, who never saw what you did. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I do. Never... I mean, it was, well, Jerry Seinfeld is kind of in trouble for saying that, that audiences are too politically correct now because of this Twitter thing. And, and he's sort of wrong, but he's also sort of right because comedy needs that freedom. You need, you know, we're in a space, even if you're recording it, even if you're putting it on TV or putting it out on the internet, whatever, it's still, you're in a space, you're in a safe space and you're doing stuff. The minute that we, as a comedian, you start thinking, oh, I mustn't, you know, I must keep a check on myself. Uh, yeah, then, I, you, then you then you can't go and find these these the extraordinary. You know, comedy is going to become very bland. I think is the is the is the problem. If everyone who gets offended by something can say I'm offended by that, well, so it's, it's, it. it's got one way of going. Play to the biggest room possible for the greatest amount. You know what I mean? Of you know, make the gigs truly pay. But then you go, but but then with that, you were asking people in who don't. And it sounds like an inverted snobbery who don't go to comedy. Yeah. And then they suddenly come along and there's something that, that, you know, they're actually used to having the comedy butchered for them. Yeah. By commissioners and being used to this. And then they hear something that challenges something in them and they're outraged. And the press are always continually looking for someone who's outraged yeah. by something that wasn't that outrageous. <laughs> and Jesus, I pissed on the side of the... I... <laughs> My second tour, I'm, I'd, I'd just about had enough. Uh, we, we had, we'd gone a bit doolally. It, you know that tour, Cabin Fever? Yeah. And we got to Liverpool and we, we were in this gig and, and our tour manager, who was also the driver, and the opening act. <laughs> <laughs> Daryl Martin. Wow. Well, um, because it, it was, uh, it had been a church, but it was no longer a church. But he went out and decided to, to give a sermon <laughs> instead of his set. I went out, and there was a guy in the front row that was reviewing the gig from the Liverpool Echo. You know, and you're going, oh, yeah, are you the comedy review? And he went, no, he said, I do, I, I do dog shows. <laughs> Pet shows mainly. I said, well, why are you anyway? Well, nobody else wanted to come. So I got a woman to take a belt off and walk me around like a dog. <laughs> and we recreated Crofts. But then eventually I went, oh, he could be in trouble, he could be in trouble. And I swear to God, I squeezed out that much poo. <laughs> Just that much. But I did the quivering legs perfectly, you know, of a dog that's... And it all kicks off. You remember Jack's my technician, the lad with the Mohican? Yes, yeah. We had to make out that it was a prop. So I was telling him it was Nutella. And then I asked Jack to clean it up and Jack's went, no. And I'll never forget the tour manager of Angus and he went, the thing is, John A, the show's good enough without it. <laughs> and I went, I'm not gonna shit on stage every night. I might, I remind you at the moment, Matt Beth is touring and Jane Oryx is pissing in a helmet, but they sent someone who reviewed a pet show. 
to review the gig and, uh, the, in that white heat. I found that really offensive. Yeah. But the next day on the front of the paper, it was, there was a time a comedian could make you smile, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> With a wink. <laughs> or a nod of the hat. <laughs> that all ended last night. <laughs> at the time I was passionate that we'd done the right thing it's a very committed it's very committing to the role that is well it's like that I dress as a giant cockatiel and ride a bike <laughs> do you know what I mean and just hope they can't tell the difference between human and miniature human and miniature that was an odd statement wasn't it <laughs> I'm just opening up to you <laughs> But These are I, my honest thoughts on stand-up. It, it, it is being, you know, the, there's a moment where you go, the, I, I suppose I only tell that story because at that time, and the reactions to that gig was, some people said that was the best thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Cop profiles, Two maybe. people got in touch and said I was sick in my handbag. <laughs> But nobody will forget that night in Liverpool. <laughs> and it wasn't that I sat backstage and went, oh, you know what, I don't, I don't think this material's strong enough, I'm gonna have a shit. <laughs> I didn't, I went out, it had been a tough tour. We had, actually, well, we thought it was tough. We ended up in Scotland and Karen Curran went off on holiday. <laughs> and didn't send any posters out. Right. We did the gig up there, I had to... It was easier, there was that few people. In, in Edinburgh, I had to give out balloons and get people to create audience members. <laughs> and give them a personality. And I went round and interviewed balloons with faces drawn on them. That's the a next idea. gig, I ended up working behind the bar and just serving them. <laughs> because it was so awkward, the size of the room. And then we went to Sky, and nobody turned, there was eight people, and two of them we'd invited, because they'd been on the road with us. We bumped into them in a cafe on the way up there. And uh, the promoter did a runner and left the keys with this woman, and she, and she said, I haven't got keys for the bar, all I can do is make, I can put a kettle on. <laughs> and we were being quite arrogant, you know, going, love, any minute now there's gonna be 800 people in here. <laughs> And when eight turned up, she went, well, I put that kettle on. <laughs> <laughs> we ended up taking them just for the drink. You know, we said, look, can we, yeah, can we yeah. cancel the gig? And we'll just take you for the pint instead. Would, 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 would that be? So we took eight people out and we went on the, we, we did. We went, we'd just come back from Poland and we had cheap cigars. We gave them all cigars and we, we went for drinks with them. And we were going back to the hotel. And there was a wheelie bin with a poster for the gig on it. <laughs> and I'll never forget Daryl going, if one of the bins had gone out yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> We'd have sold out. <laughs> so it was a tough tour. <laughs>
you can say, you can say oh, I can, you can come to the toilet and watch me shit. Uh, the, all eight of you can stand in the cubicle with me. It'll be fun. Uh, Let's do my best. <laughs> he wants to piss in my hat. <laughs> well, it's very, it's very. I think you know. I think the thing is, I think often you kind of have that character, but you are very funny as you, as Mike Pennington. You are. I mean, you're being you now. You're not being Johnny now, and you're being very funny. So I think it's it's feeling that. You know, it's just letting that go and, and, and trusting that you'll still be funny. It's just a different yeah, thing. Yeah, it's hard. Because I think it's, it's, it's a difficult thing to carry, you know, to carry on that character forever would be difficult uh, on your mental and physical <laughs> health anyway. I think you've sort of said you feel happy in your life now and so it's kind of difficult to access access that. Is that true? I am, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm content. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's an odd... I think it's an odd thing to get your head round. Yeah. I, I, I think from... It's a brilliant job discovering stand-up at a certain stage if you feel like you've not achieved what people expected or you, you, um, your, your outlook on the world is jarring mm. with what you've grown up or, or what you've done where you, you're questioning too much. But it's it does become that it's, it it wants everything from you, and there was a certain stage where you go, you're either a martyr to it, or you learn from it, and you meet other people through it, and you get the opportunity to do other things. Yeah. And you meet someone. Do you know what I mean? Personally, you you develop, and then and then you sort of kind of go, it it, it was great, but to don't cling on to it. Yeah. I think that's true, and I've you know I see a lot of comedians who aren't who are very successful, and you see them and you kind of think they're not happy. What their success hasn't made them happy. They thought that by getting this that you know, and I think maybe I thought that I thought oh maybe if I become a really successful comedian I'll be really happy. But actually I think you know I don't think I would have been <laughs> if that had ever happened. Uh, <laughs> it'd be nice to have the fucking opportunity to find out. <laughs> but you know I think you, you you sort of you sort of see you know I went to I went I went to this Seinfeld gig years ago and all the and I got invited to the after show pie which never happens to me because I <laughs> just it was just coincidentally and it was a lot of you know the top the A grade UK comics and they were all in there all and I was saying oh this is great and, you know backstage you might meet Seinfeld this is really cool and all the rest of them were like looking around and you could see them looking at me going why why has Herring been invited here what's that there's, there's been a sh there's been a shift in the dynamic there's is he now coming up am I going down so everyone's terrified of losing their position they're all kind of complaining about the, looking the miserable, miserable, you know? you've, you've always had uh, you you write plays you write everything you know what I mean you will go off and have you have you proved yourself as a comic you were somebody I watched on TV growing up it was part of I was quoting today the uh, school for hard knocks which is still my favourite <laughs> yeah no it was you know what I mean I'm not It is not, it's that thing of going, you either, I, I, it's almost like, um, it sounds really snooty, but it's it's an education background, and whether it's an Oxbridge background, or whether it's an art school background, I think you move with, you are always wanting to create something, and the, the fan bit of where it goes is, is something that you don't actually have a say in. No. Well, and as the you most say, ironic thing is, like I said, getting known for a bunch of adverts. Yeah, well, that's interesting that you see that as. I mean, you know, it's obviously a choice. You can choose not to do the adverts. So the adverts came out of a charity thing to begin with, didn't they? So they were that that character was. Well, no, they were sold to a charity. Right. Yeah. 
Because uh, oh, the, yeah. the ITV box was shy, wasn't it? <laughs> that's right, yeah, that's right, yeah. Oh, that's right, yeah. It didn't work. <laughs> loads, of, loads of people were sort of, you know, meeting us in the street and going, yeah. you know, I've got the monkey, but the fuck, I can't get reception. <laughs> <laughs> and when it went under, you can't, you can't, when ITV Digital went under, you, you can't know how relieved I was. <laughs> When I opened the paper and they had the monkey in a noose and not me. <laughs> Which was basically the, the Football Association, they, they set up a ridiculous deal that wasn't financially viable. And they sent a bloke in there that had nothing to do with finance. To, you know what I mean? But yeah. suddenly, first, I think they worked out that what they were paying for the you know, first division, because I'm more rugby league, I'm not, I'm, I'm not so much football, but the first division matches... For what they were paying for the rights, it was cheaper to put everyone in a cab or a limo in certain areas <laughs> and take them to the game <laughs> and pay for the rent. So how they ever thought they were going to, you know, make this money back up? Yeah. If only they thought, just let's make these monkey puppets and sell these off the back of these adverts to be millionaires. I, I'm, I, I was filming Black Ball <laughs> and I met a bloke in uh, Torquay and he went... I've got a word house full. Now, here's, here's the thing. You, on the seafront, in a big settee, with him, just signing them and giving them away for a day. And that was when they were still a bit of me going, I used to be cutting edge. <laughs> I was once the critic's choice. And he went, I'll, I'll give you 5% off the top. <laughs> But I think he had that, he owned that many monkeys after they yeah. were skint. It was, uh, it would have took three days <laughs> to make enough to cover me lunches. <laughs> but you redefine that, aren't you? As, but you, you don't and you move through it. And, and, and it, yeah, it's, it, it, it's a funny thing with, with, with the fame aspect of being good at what you do because the majority of the public judge you by where they've seen you. You know, yeah. they think you've not been working if you've not been on TV and you're yeah. going, I've been doing a wonderful project for the Manchester International Festival. <laughs> and there's, my dad's mates just walk off and go, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, really? It, oh, you're a director now, are you? <laughs> but it gives you the freedom to, I think, to take... It's interesting where people go. I think it's interesting to see where people go with their success and what they choose to do with it. And, you know, I think like some people who start, you start to think, oh, they are kind of comedians and then they're just, <laughs> I, I was going to choose something that was so obvious who I was talking about there that I think I might just change tack. Uh, that, <laughs> that they, I don't know, sit on the panel of some talent show judging contest or something. Uh, something. Do you sort of think, well, where, you know, where are you going with you, you know, because either you've got the, you've got the freedom to do whatever you want to do when you're successful. So you can what? say, I want to do this play or I want to do this yeah. esoteric idea and then maybe I'll do an advert for you to cover something else. But, I, you know. Don't get me wrong, I miss the ads. Yeah. You know, I, 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 my opening thing, now, what I'm trying to do stand-up is, I've been dumped by a puppet. <laughs> How fucking depressing is that? I think, you know what I mean? I, I'm no longer doing those ads, and those ads funded my passion projects. Yeah. That basically paid for me for half a year to go off and, and go, well, sure. I want to do this, and I want to do a piece of theatre, I want to be braver. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, want, I want to be bolder, 
but I'm a divorced man. <laughs> and I have two separate financial outgoings. I can't be. Um, and it, 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 it's really hard trying to claw back. I, on the, the period I was working on the book, I, I did two or three directing projects, and you're going, I, I absolutely know now that's what I want to do. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I would love to do more of that. It's the, it's the one thing as Michael, and I, I know I've said it before, but, but as Michael, I feel as confident as I did as Johnny doing stand-up. Yeah. And yet an odd bit of me is drawn back to the stand-up now. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at this and I want to do that, but I'm also practically having to pay bills. And if you whinge about paying bills in the public eye, <laughs> there's nothing more annoying when, when somebody's going out and doing a proper job. You know, and you're going, I'm really struggling <laughs> right now. I'm torn between the writer within and the, and the man who's getting money for fucking old Rob. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, as, as, you, as you sort of, as you, you can't whinge about your income if no. you're living in Richmond. <laughs> <laughs> Fundamentally. Nobody's bothered about the personal reasons of why you went to Richmond. You're going, well, I have a son from a previous marriage and we wanted to be closer to him. And people are going, Richmond. <laughs> I imagine your child punts to school. <laughs> So you've got to be practical. You've got to bear in mind that you... But I, I, the stuff I'm longing to do, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, I, and I have... I, I, I've always knocked back the... Those shows that every year I'm a celebrity. Every single year. And for me, it's a sign that they think I'm at a point where I need... <laughs> yeah. It is quite insulting for them to ask you, I think. <laughs> I don't think they see it as insulting and that's what's really insulting <laughs> and I keep telling them I'll, if I come on here I'll eat all the rice in one night <laughs> and fucking terrorise them and I'll, I'll nick their t-shirt when it comes to voting I'll wear someone else's t-shirt it would, it would be Lord of the Flies yeah. it would only be worth going in if you want to have a genuine breakdown not whinging because it's a bit hot <laughs> Go in there and threaten someone with a broken twig. <laughs> you know, if one of them was walking along and just an Ewok style log came swinging down and took them out, and you're going, that's because you were rude about the way I washed the dishes. If you could actually. If you're going to go in there, let Johnny loose in there. <laughs> yeah. If you could actually take them hostage so they have to show it, I think yeah. that would be. I've got someone my hostage, you have to keep filming this. And now I'm in control. No, yeah, sense, no yeah. authorities in here. Johnny, will you come to the cabin for the chat and you go, no, I refuse to talk to you unless you film me whilst masturbating. <laughs> because I've gone wild. <laughs> I think it would do very well. Well, he said... <laughs> and then that really upset me because, you know what? And I know he smuggled, he, he smuggled herbs in. <laughs> Go in one of them boxes and just eat the insects. 
or lie back and cry all of me why not take all of me let the bugs crawl in and out of you oh my god so um, I've got I've, <laughs> I've got a natural order where the bugs might just scatter <laughs> you only got it was the easiest challenge ever <laughs> look at them even the earwigs detest it <laughs> Right, I've got some questions from uh, from uh, someone uh, at home. Uh, first of all, I should have said this. Uh, Caroline, Qu- don't you pronounce that? Qui? Qui? Oh, she's in. Hello, Caroline. Caroline, Caroline Quai. don't sound so outraged. Don't Caroline. It's not an easy yeah. one to get. I why? Just said why? Why? Uh, why don't you know how to pronounce? You say rich. I choose time traveling finger. This isn't what you were meant to do. You were meant to give me something to say, not ask me a question, but we'll ask Johnny as well. Uh, how can the most pain be inflicted on the fucking idiot of your choosing with it? Uh, so she wants to know, Caroline wants to know um, what I would do. I, I do a thing about a time-travelling finger. Uh, yeah, you can yeah. think about this as well. Uh, I don't know if I would use it for, uh, for evil. If I was going to do it, I would go back and gouge out Keith Allen's eyes uh, just as he was about to sabotage the Oxford Review in 1988, which is... Uh, and then he probably would still... I mean, it would give him a more cause to sabotage the show, at least, but uh, he'd probably be angry. If your finger could travel through time, would you... And you could attack someone with your finger, what would you... I, I wouldn't attack. I'd, I'd put it in the back of JFK's head and go... <laughs> it's not looking good. <laughs> I'd run up like the others, looking like I was protecting him, but I would... <laughs> Pull it out and just go, it's not, it's fucking. I was in his in, in, in a, in a cortex or cerebral, whatever. Why is he in a brain? What's that called? Um, it's a good question. I've had my brain scanned. I should know about that. Is any, any of you nerds know what the inner part of the brain's called? Cerebellum? Cerebellum. Yeah, yeah I'll be going, that's definite cerebellum. <laughs> That man said cerebellum in such a superior or, way. Or, cerebellum. Whoever it was on the grassy knoll, just to wet him, put it in his ear and go, go on. You could not... No, you could, isn't it? You could what? tap him on what? the shoulder so he goes like that and it misses. That's what you could have done. Not, oh, I'll dip in his brain, have a little well, Dorito with it. Well, only because you're all going, do you reckon he's still all right? <laughs> you could have saved him. Look, shot in the head, your head will fall forward you the same way that you suddenly realise I've been sleeping with loads of women <laughs> on the side and I'm going to get caught. <laughs> when he fell onto Jackie's shoulder, she probably thought he was ready to confess. <laughs> well, fuck the American tore up, hasn't it? Um, <laughs> Oh no! Why he shouldn't be JFK? Why we we we're, we're stuck in these? I, I would I would because I was sat in the back watching. It was brilliant watching me going a time travelling finger. You can do anything, and all you start thinking about is revenge <laughs> or poking fun. Um, I would go back and point at my parents when they went into the Christian planning centre. <laughs> and adopted the rhythm method for me. <laughs> because I genuinely think the way they conceived has left me with about 20% less of the brain capacity that I should have had. <laughs> I would point them to a chemist. <laughs> I would rather come from a broken condom. 
<laughs> than the Pope telling me, Dad, that if he did it slower at a certain <laughs> date. <laughs> Uh, I have another question. The rhythm method was a disaster. <laughs> it wasn't a good idea, I have to say. Uh, another question. This is quite a, uh, a niche question. We might need to uh, dis uh, explain a bit about this. Uh, you, you were involved in Club Zarathustra very early on. I was, on. I yeah. was, yeah. Um, and so, did you do the actual shows as well as the, you did the TV version or did you do the, the shows, the live shows as well? No, it was brilliant. I came down and did the live show and I had been as a, a genuine sort of starving comic I used to you only come to London you go you, you do an open spot and you go somewhere and you go so it's the three of you doing performance poetry to each other yeah when you turn up at a gig and they go do you want to help put the candles out <laughs> and you realize I'll never forget Belushi's up in um <laughs> Not Oxford Circus. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I came down and watched it, and had I not been performing that night, I'd have been blown away. But you know, when you're going, someone somewhere has made a huge mistake. <laughs> this is not the gig for Johnny. But I, I, I went on and did it, and afterwards, Stuart approached us and went, went look you know this is a very it's a creative thing and what we're doing and we uh, none of us take any money from it and I remember going I'm going to have to take the money <laughs> <laughs> anyway what we tend to do is put it back in so we can nurture it and I'm going to have to take the money <laughs> and I did I, 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 I took I think it was either 40 or 60 quid off him and I went I was living on pilchards and beans <laughs> I was I should explain. I, I, it was... I, and I was off, but it was it was on. And we going, God, it was brilliant. But the feel, you know what? I love watching now comedy when I'm not part of it. Yeah. But and yet, there's nothing of going to a festival that if you're not performing, I, I, you know what I mean. I feel like I'm cheated. I've, yeah. I've cheated my way in. But. A gig like that, you don't need to be on the bill. You need to just sit back and be able to appreciate it. Yeah, it was an amazing it. thing. It was, it was uh, Simon Munnery, I suppose, his brainchild. He did League Against Tedium and Alan Partridge. Alan uh, Parker, sorry. I did Alan Partridge. Uh, and uh, uh, Stuart Lee, I think, was in it. He was a minor part in it. And uh, people like Sally Phillips and Richard Thomas. So, so like, Jerry Spring, the opera kind of formed out of that. They did a brilliant TV version of Club Zarathustra. It was very esoteric and weird comedy, and, you know, and... Uh, it was a brilliant pilot they did. Were you I, in the, did, were you in the I, pilot? I got hammered in the pilot. They gave us a <laughs> bottle of whiskey. There's a guy who'd been reporting the news for 24 hours. And we were, they were trying to shoot a piece in the park and they were like, you can, you can rest for a bit. And some kids came up and just wouldn't quit sort of haranguing them. And I went over and you know, did the kind of shaky fist, angry. And he went, I'll go, I'm going to go and get my dad. I went, go and get your fucking dad. I'll fight all of them because I never, I never drink whiskey. And then the dad turned up and he's going, get everything in the truck. <laughs> We're going. He, he was preaching in the park um, as Lenin. It was, it was, but that was, there was days going out filming stuff like that. Uh, wasn't it? You know what I mean? It was, it was a fantastic... There were brilliant premises where they, I think they took a lot more risks yeah. with, with comics coming through in terms of... 
And you never want to sound like it was better in our day, but you're going, Jesus, we did Johnny Vegas TV show and so, uh, we shot 70 hours before I came up with a storyline. <laughs> yeah. And with that, that, and again, that was really well executed, but you're going, they turn up at live events, they see people being creative, they want a part of it, but they don't know what they want a part of. And then when you go and make something, they don't know how to market it. Mm. And it's a killer when, when you put something into it and you're going, this is, it's not going to rate against certain shows, but it isn't that one day this will build an audience yeah, and your yeah. next generation will be watching these in the same way that they're watching your biggest acts now. Yeah, yeah. But no, they have definitely. never, they've never got the, 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 the commitment beyond. They either want it so nobody else can have it. You know what I mean? Or they uh, they watch it in a gig where everybody else is laughing, and then when they're watching it in an edit suite, and they've got they haven't got people to confirm whether it's funny or not. Yeah, they panic. Well, I mean, they, they did. Well, Club Z didn't get made, which is a terrible tragedy. I mean, I suppose they, they, it is when they let people get on with it, which they did in the nineties. I think you know, you get Vic and yeah. Bob, you get Armando Yanucci and all that gang of people coming through. You get you coming through. So you get all these, you know. And, and then since then, it has really been like let's put a team of people together and, and get some writers in and write the sketches. And actually, the way to get the, the interesting stuff, I think, is to just say there's some money now. You know, Monty Python is a yeah, case in point. Yeah. They just said, yeah go off and make whatever you want and come back in eight weeks and let's show us what you've got. BBC Three was brilliant when it started. BBC Three was really experimental. Yeah. And then suddenly it was this thing of going, let's put some EastEnders in there and let's do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Stuart Murphy left and you're going, suddenly it was this thing of, of... And it's always, it's this thing going idea of we're aiming at 16 to 23-year-olds and they won't watch anyone unless they're 16 to 23. Yeah. And you go, it's absolute non... It, it, it's nonsense, but the, but they're afraid of going. If you sit down with with, with certain people on TV and, and and have a conversation with them, they're constantly asking you, and they're the ones in charge. Yeah, it's it, it. You know what I mean? It's like a teacher that's come up against a hyper intelligent child, <laughs> and they're going, what, you, what, 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 "What would you do?" <laughs> Well, Ollie Bennett wants but to I'm ask not you... But I'm not going to fucking do myself out of tea. You know, <laughs> I'm already banned from all theatres in the country after this chat. Um, Ollie Bennett is going to ask you this, and, you, you know, we can get, move on. Out of every, he's paid to ask it, so let's ask it. Out of everyone in Club Zarathustra, who would you snog, marry, avoid and kill? Well, out of the entire... Out of all the people who are in Club Zarathustra, can you remember anyone else who's in it? Uh, who would you snog, who would you marry, who would avoid and who would you kill? Um... I would. Is it too obvious? I'd, 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 I'd snog Stuart. <laughs> it is too obvious. He had Sally Phillips there, all lined up. And you went for Stuart Lee. It's not fair on Sally. <laughs> <laughs> Me avoiding Sally would freak her out. <laughs> it's the yeah, young Stuart Lee, so it would be quite man? nice to kiss him. Yeah. No, I'd marry you. You marry me. Yeah, just yeah. to fucking make your life hell. <laughs> the eggs would never be right. <laughs> Every morning. 
I'd come up with a, a, a style of egg that you just hadn't cooked. <laughs> After coming up with 19 styles of eggs and you come down and you go, what's wrong with pushing it against the fucking wall and putting an air dryer on it? <laughs> you just don't get me. <laughs> and then I'd take you back to bed for angry sex. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds right. And you've got to kill someone as well. If you, if you, is there anyone you'd like oh, to kill? that fucking pianist. <laughs> Richard Thomas, the creator yeah, yeah, of Jerry yeah, Springer. Yeah, 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 Richard Thomas, he just, I always, you know what, I think with any musician, you know deep down it's because you never practiced yourself. But, and as, as time goes on, you just, whenever you look at anyone who's musically gifted, you go, they had all the opportunities I never had. <laughs> <laughs> it's the ultimate sort of inverted snobbery <laughs> I blame them as if they came home every night and the entire family went ho 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 let's play piano let's play together <laughs> let's show them kids from St. Helens <laughs> I would often come home with maracas <laughs> and my father would beat me with them <laughs> trying to introduce some rhythm into the family <laughs> but they wouldn't have it they were just focused on the talkie box in the corner the radio <laughs> so yeah that's my answer yeah. but let's talk about St Helens a bit you uh, you had some interesting jobs in St Helens uh, before you became a comedian and before you went to university and did uh, where you studied ceramics uh, or maybe afterwards yeah. so you don't were... look at me like that yeah. it, so you don't, it was a proper degree don't... <laughs> it's a very posh degree I think it would be ceramics um it, it would be now. Yeah. It would be now, because who would pay nine grand a year? <laughs> yes. To learn how to build a jug. Um, <laughs> you, you'd really have to come from a, you know what I mean, a fortuitous background <laughs> you to be studying ceramics now. <laughs> Hi, I'm from St. Tellings. Don't worry, I'll get the money. <laughs> Just give us a go on your wheel. Come on, I'll prove myself. <laughs> we'll do a fundraiser in the student union. Uh, you got a third from uh, Middlesex University? Yeah, I did. I did, and uh, I felt bad about it. So <laughs> I read a, um, a Marie Claire piece, and it said that if you got a third, you really parted <laughs> and had all the potential to get a first, but just uh, poured your heart and soul into being sociable. <laughs> I got a third because the head of the year, I turned up on the, on the I, I disastrous grading day. And first of all, I brought my work and put it in. It was abstract female forms that were extruded. But then I was playing with this whole idea of manufactured beauty and fashion magazines. <laughs> And by dropping them and bending them, I, it was this whole idea that imperfection was beauty and that manufactured beauty in itself didn't exist. I read a lot of Naomi Wolf <laughs> in a desperate attempt to get laid. And, uh, uh, but when I turned up and put them on the floor, my, the, the head of the year said it looks really urban. So I left them in bundles on the floor and on the day of grading, I overslept when I was putting my portfolio together. 
and was late for the start of grading and rang a friend with the car and the car ran out of petrol and it almost became the dun 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 you know the car runs out when you're legging it put it in there and um, I yeah I got a third but then I heard one of them whispering going he hasn't even bothered to paint any plants I would have put them on plants I had painted plants ready but the head of the year told me to go with the urban look oh and I'll never forgive him for that. And uh, it, it really angered me coming out with it. I thought I was a... I love art school. It teaches... Do you know what I mean? It's that investing in an original idea. Invest in yourself. Believe in yourself. There's no point doing something if it's been done before you. Mm. Yes, everything's borrowed a little bit and you'll realise that there's influences, but overall, fucking... Go out, go out with the third, knowing that it came from, from up here, then, then, then go out trying to be a poor imitation of anybody else. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> I was my head of year, though. <laughs> it sounds good. They sound good, those, uh, <laughs> those figures. I'd, it would have sounded better if I'd got a first. I'd have given, I'd have given it a 2-2, two, two, definitely. What did you get? I got a 2-1. Now, you see... Maddie, Maddie Clare said that was someone who wanted it too much. <laughs> well, I did absolutely no work. Well, then fuck you. <laughs> I can't believe I got a two. I was up against... There was a girl in my unit who got a first, and all she did was, with bin bags, build a tunnel and call it fucking travelling through time. <laughs> I, I didn't even take a finger through it. <laughs> Fucking Japanese girl. She came up to me in the canteen one day. <laughs> right, I was I, I I blew my money in the foot. They gave me a checkbook. I went mad and I bought a fucking poncho in Camden. I was <laughs> I, I, I wasn't ready for that kind of wealth. <laughs> <laughs> I ended up having to work in the canteen washing dishes and one day I'm climbing the blaze and she went hey 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 Michael Michael I, I think I love you and I went you, you know that bit where you go it's all been worth it you got this back about really and she went no ha I'm a lesbian <laughs> and I went home that day and I bought the cheapest fucking red wine I have ever drank it burnt me gums as I was drinking it College was a happy time. <laughs> I did. I, I couldn't. Why? I don't know if she even knew my name. I, I wasn't a big fan of her work. <laughs> and yet the worst thing is when people went home, I did walk through the tunnel and go, what if I can go back and stop myself having my first chip? <laughs> <laughs> and I went through a fucking time tunnel. <laughs> And I came out and I was still obese. <laughs> and it was still 1993. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> Let's move on. Uh, I'm kind of interested in the jobs people did before they became uh, a comedian or a performance artist or a dog shitting on a stage. Um, you worked in an Argos warehouse? I worked in the Argos store. Oh, did you? Yeah. Did everything. Yeah. I worked upstairs for the, the first two years. Uh, they didn't really want me on the shop floor. <laughs> uh, then I, yeah, I kind of, I didn't want to wear the uniform because it was that really, it was like a shitty brown colour. 
Uh, uh, Boots had gone with grey, grey and pink and yellow. You oh, know, yeah. the lemon yellow. Yeah. The 80s colours. And we, we were sadly trailing. <laughs> and it was we felt a bit lawless up in the stop room. <laughs> but then they eventually brought us down and allowed me to do some shop floor work. And they put me on the... They used to have the, you know, the computers at the front where you order. Yeah. But everything was hyphenated, and I had... Uh, I stare this woman just came in, I read it quickly, I went, horse her duvet. And she went, I beg your pardon, I went, horse her duvet. And then the manager had to come over, and it was an hors d'oeuvre set. <laughs> They put me on the Elizabeth Duke counter at, <laughs> at Christmas, but it was just drunk blokes flirting, you know, going, I look better on you. <laughs> they were meant to be buying a last minute gift for the wife. They, they basically moved out the stockroom because I started getting nosebleeds. It, it was like fucking Bukowski's post office. I started bleeding on the stock and it kept getting sent back up because people were going, this is a gift. <laughs> But there was loads of dust up there and it was getting in me. And if I'm really honest, the days I was very, very hungover, I would, I would just, um, I would hide and masturbate. <laughs> and I felt like I was sticking it to the man. <laughs> but I, I, there was at one point, they, they, they had put me on side for, for middle management. They did have their eye on me. <laughs> and they were they were very upset when I shunned them for ceramics. <laughs> was that before college or was that after college? Was that after college? No, it was before, a build up to college. It was a build up yeah, to college. No, I finished college and went to Argos. <laughs> <laughs> as a trained ceramic, you know what I mean? Yeah, as, a, as a ceramicist, I went, oh, where do I go now? Argos. <laughs> Because I, I just love retail. I assume once you've got a third Jesus in ceramics, you know, there's, not, there aren't, there's not many places to go. Argos is the only place it's going to take you. <laughs> All them out of town shots were being made. You can, yeah. And you packed bottles of juice. TK Maxx was just burgeoning. They were looking out, they were headhunting for people like me. You really, you worked in Argos, yeah, and you've got a degree. Yeah, it's pottery, it doesn't matter. Come on. <laughs> Is it true, this, there's something on Wikipedia that needs a citation. Okay. Did you design the Old Spice bottle? <laughs> I did, but it wasn't quite what they were asking for. <laughs> I tried to do something very trendy in ceramic that was a pill. Because at the time, you know, everybody, was, everybody else was raving. <laughs> so it was going to be a little one that you could, you could break open and put yeah. on your... And um, they rejected that, so I... I I built this fucking huge bottle with a fist in the top and it, it basically said uh, domestic domestic violence <laughs> <laughs> and um, there was promises of a campaign that could follow on if they liked the bottle but the bottle was taken away and their number was blocked from my phone <laughs> but it, well, no, it was just a bit if you go, if you go one way or the other if, you, if you're going to chase the youth you know what I mean yeah. it, it's a, really what kids we'd, we'd all bought it at a school fair hadn't we yeah. in a box with talc <laughs> unless you were lucky enough to have a mother whose tit could produce <laughs> <laughs> 
talc. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's, it's, again, it's weird things like that where suddenly everybody wants a part of it and they go, well, you do pottery, you should design this. And you go, surely some... But, but you really work hard at it and, and they reject an idea going, no, no, that's, that's too close to drugs and it's too close. And you go, well, then what... What do you, do you honestly think is going to get any 18-year-old worrying Old Spice other than a dad collapsing on top of him from a heart attack? <laughs> <laughs> that is the only way that at a funeral just fucking going, I put it on and I can remember dad just leaning against me going, there's money under the mattress. Remember me as a sturdier young man than what I am now. <laughs> but yes, I did build well, a bottle that. for we can, Spice. We can put, use this uh, podcast to get that citation sorted out. And, is the, and the VNA, is there a collection of your ceramics at the VNA Museum? There's not a collection. There's a, a, there is a single teapot. Right. Um, a one-minute teapot that yeah. I built. I did a, a lovely film with Roger Law. Oh, yes. Early on. Um, Spitting image, Roger. And... Yeah, it was, it was a mad day's filming. We nicked the film stock from Channel 4. <laughs> Honestly, it was, it was so low budget, but, 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 but for the Arts Council. Uh, I played three different characters that were, were potters. And Roger put it all together, and um, we shot this film. The best thing was, we, we, it was premiered in Amsterdam. And we went over there for the Millennium Meeting of Potters. We all went out for a bit of a drink and a, a bit of a, a smoke, and we missed the premiere. <laughs> <laughs> and instead, we opted to go to this sex show, which was <laughs> the most disastrous and yet unintentionally comical thing I've ever seen. <laughs> there was a man dressed as Batman who couldn't keep time with the rotary bed. And his penis kept coming out of her mouth and he, he kept running ahead and it, it looked like a hook-a-duck at the fur. <laughs> and then the, the woman who came on afterwards couldn't find the start of the flags of the world. So... <laughs> she had them stop the music in the bed and we had to sit there through ten minutes of what I can only call vaginal rummaging. <laughs> Which, and it's not very encouraging when you've got three people at the back just howling with laughter. <laughs> God damn it, she's a professional. Uh, and then by the time she found it and gave the okay signal, we'd already listed the flags that we were anticipating seeing. And, and we left, yes, yeah, so we missed the premiere. But they asked us to do a gig there, and uh, when you... Obviously, I used to. Do, I, this was the, when I when I started out. I, I did ceramics as part of yeah. the show, and it was it, it was live pottery. And I did it the, the first gig in Manchester where Dave asked me to do a one man show. I I went out and I, I, I was in the time going. I haven't got a one hour, but that's what I love about Dave Perkins. He wasn't bothered. You know, it's that thing of just do a night and just just. There's very few other places that would give you yeah, that's great. that that kind of freedom. 
to go come out and riff or mess about for an entire evening. Yeah. You've, you've got the night all to yourself. And I packed this little kick wheel in the car at the last minute. And it was the maddest thing that when we... You're doing the gig and everyone's... You know, there's heckling and there's loads of fun and interaction. But then did this... Sat down to make this um, piece on the wheel. And folk were just memorised... Mem you know, uh, mesmerised by it. They were... The, even the worst, the leaviest drunks were, were, were just sort of... <laughs> Fuck it, it's coming up from nowhere. <laughs> and it was one of those accidental moments that became part of the show, you know what I mean? That, yeah, that, that yeah. moved on to things. But for me, doing, uh, they asked us to do a gig. That's fine for, for an audience, but this millennium of, of Potter's meeting was, it was the world's fi finest ceramicist. So you go out and you throw a pot in front of them and all you can hear is, oh shit, that. <laughs> Fuck it, he got a third. <laughs> so they, um, but I, I came up with this thing that we actually used to do for kicks, which was a one minute teapot challenge. And they all got up, but they, they, they were, they couldn't let go enough and none yeah. of them could make it. And I made one. And the Victorian Albert Museum asked if they could bring it back and fire it and put it in as part of... And I've got to say, for someone who left with a third, <laughs> it was the biggest. <laughs> I had so many tutors, you know what I mean, that would die to be in there. Yeah. And you're just going, ah, fuck it. <laughs> I come in by the back door, but I'm in. I'm in, suckers. So yes, I do have a teapot in there, but it looks horrendous. It is, it is made in under a minute. There's, there's no... But it's, I, I don't know. It was nice for a while. It was like <laughs> making pottery a little bit rock and roll. Well, it was it was an amazing thing. I think because it, I, I guess it, it's a juxtaposition because it's the gentleness and the art required to make, so even whatever you're making on stage, just to be doing that and this gentle creation of something along with this character that's basically wild and <laughs> insane and then there's this little focus. It's a really, you know, if, if that's an accidental thing of chance that you came across that by just going, oh, I'll chuck this in the car and... Yeah, it, well, it was accidental, but it, but, but it was like... Before then, the set had been going out and going, I did pottery. Yeah. We'd get a laugh, which would incense Johnny going, no, I did pottery. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. How dare you? And you from textiles, you never wanted to look at us and now you're, you're all over us. <laughs> like... Uh, and it... It had an odd effect that this raging about having done ceramics that people took as... Uh, I've always said, like, look, the, 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 there's brilliant people like White House. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, 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 the these creations that you go, they're fantastic, but they walk away from them. I never got to walk away from Johnny, and there was, there was always that mix it, but really passionately raging about being let down by ceramics. <laughs> but then suddenly getting on the wheel and being able to do it, it lent it an authenticity. Yeah. Even if it was accidental, <laughs> that suddenly people believed he'd been a Butlin's red coat. When there's no fucking way he could have been a <laughs> Butlin's red coat in the 70s. 
Even though he had a perm. You know, you're going, yeah. well, that would have made him five. <laughs> <laughs> but then the rumour spread of, no, he is a potter, and he's this, and yeah. it's that, and, and, and it lent it this bizarre kind of authenticity, which it was based on authenticity, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'd done a degree, I felt that. Johnny, Johnny was very angry about the, the degree result, but <laughs> he, 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 he took what was... I, I always like to think within a gig, and especially the early gigs like that, was it was very in your face. It was very, this guy's angry, but then there was other dimensions to Johnny and it wasn't just a caricature and I think the wheel was really important in going yeah. now we're going to slow it down and go you know what he is he's just a bloke who wants to be loved <laughs> well, it was very, at you know, the end of it there was a tenderness to yeah, it yeah but that's what you have I mean, you have that anyway you have that without any, any of the other stuff as well there's a vulnerability to, to you it's very it's, it's, there's an honesty to it even if it's exaggerated the character but it's you know you're very vulnerable so that's what was you know you, the audience loved you however angry you were if you're just an angry guy who's railing against everything, that's not necessarily... It could be entertaining, but it might not be. But if the audience love you as well as... You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, But, yeah. but Johnny wouldn't know that they loved him as well, I guess. I don't know. No, I don't think he, I, he ever got it. No. But, but, but it was... But at the end, at, like, at the end of a gig by the sing-along, it was that thing of, I can't admit it, but I need you. Yeah. Well, you know, which is I need you, and he was always quite forthright about saying to critics what he thought of critics. Yeah. But for the man who came out at the start going, fundamentally, don't look at me and don't laugh at me because it's not funny. <laughs> By the end, was going, I wish... It was, it was mad. It was, it, it was... God, we could talk for hours. The stuff with the, with the book of going, I have a wonderful relationship with my dad, was Johnny had created this monster of a father. But when I went back and... I was looking at the book. I, this is when I realised that Johnny had been around a lot longer than I didn't just create him for the stage. Yeah. You know what I mean? I didn't create him for stand-up. He'd been storing problems for a long, long time and processing them and, and processing them in a way that he was, he was going to use them yeah. for either comedy or for revenge or for... And with my dad, I, I don't think, from, from going to seminary when I was younger, I don't think Johnny ever forgave my dad for sending me to seminary. Yeah, well, that's... Even though he didn't send me. Right. He asked me if I wanted to go. But Johnny, like all perfect drunks, finds <laughs> a way of blaming someone else for your mistakes. Yeah. That's, that's a difficult choice did. to put on a, a... You were 11 when you went to, to did, train yeah, to be a priest? He did, but he only asked me if I wanted to go. He yeah. never said that you're going. No. But I don't think he should have asked me to go no. because nobody could anticipate what was waiting once you... You know what I mean? Yeah. None of it, I, I don't think my dad could conceive for a second what horrors might await. <laughs> but years later, Johnny was going out and going... I won't forgive him for that. Yeah. I do. I love my dad to bits. Yeah. But Johnny that's... is... 
it's all about the duality that you know everyone's got that everyone's got you know I, you know, I my, my parents are just unbelievably great parents but I'll still go back to the time you know my mum would be overprotective of me which is a nice thing to be but you know I was yeah. on a barge trip with her and I tried to jump to shore and she grabbed me because she was scared but then quite grabbing me I fell and my leg fell down the side of the barge and got crushed you know I was, I was fine but I keep going back to that you know and that's my mum protecting yeah, me yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so you've got, you still have those uh, resentments in there and it's kind of I mean that's the interesting thing about being a comedian that you can get to air those and for yourself so it's kind of therapy for I think all, all stand up is, is therapy in a way yeah and you said you feel I've always said it's the arena of the unwell <laughs> if you are you know what I mean it's odd seeing people who come into stand up and I'm not judging if, if you can come into it with a no, you know, you know what I mean. With with an intact emotional self, <laughs> then all power to you. But I think all the best piece, people I've seen have been questioning life yeah. or themselves or things deep down. You know what I mean. And 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 erring the grievances in front of people for some very perverse reason <laughs> of finding solace in front of an audience yeah. rather than talking to someone whilst lying on a couch which <laughs> which would be the normal approach <laughs> but then if you are you know but if that therapy has almost got to the point where you've not you've kind of killing off Johnny Vegas and becoming Michael is that is, does that I mean I might this my show this year is about happiness and whether being happy means you can't be funny anymore mm. and you know there's that kind of fear as a comedian isn't it? if you're more settled down and there's nothing to rub against that maybe you'll, you'll become definitely definitely but there's no room in a family life for Johnny <laughs> so it'll be an interesting you know it'll either work or it won't yeah but I I've been sort of playing with this idea of having Johnny in a suitcase I did, I, I, I did, I literally at one point took the clothes off, put it in a case and put it in the loft. Yeah. And it was that thing of, he's gone, we're done. But then I find myself in social situations as Michael, we go, I want the case back, <laughs> just for 10 minutes. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Just to deal with this prick at the garage, I want... <laughs> I want Johnny back. It's a bit like it's Breaking Bad. You know what I mean? I, yeah. want, I want the furthest extent. I want, fuck, I want that say my name moment in, in the days that I can't do, especially dealing with teachers. Um, <laughs> it, it's, but he was of his time and he did what he did. And if I want to go back, it's not. About. I'm interested in playing with the thing of what yeah. would happen if you let him out again. Yeah. But I'm... Uh, the, the weirdest thing is now is going, I'm dealing to learn with being content, which is a really strange... I always thought I'd been happy in other ways. You know, it's not yeah. been a life of misery, but I'm content now, and I like being content, and I would love to see if I could go back and walk on the stage without a drink and go drive to drive to a gig and drive back would be a phenomenal <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> um, 
win for me. That would be a big moment. But that will take a lot more work. And the temptation is, is always easier to just have nine pints and <laughs> try and access the angry side of you. Yeah. But I'm not angry at people anymore. <laughs> I'm not as Michael. I'm no. Life's quite good. And I don't want to become that comic who fucking talks about being a dad as if they're the ones who invented it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I... I, 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 I <laughs> <laughs> and I found it creeping in when I've been on stage going by I've got this lovely story but you're going I, there's comics come through now who will hate me and it's their job to hate me I acknowledge that yeah. do you know what I mean they'll either see us as a sellout or they'll see us as that's their thing <laughs> I'm not sure it's that's their, that it's, true, it's, it's their right. No, but it's their right to think that they've... I used to hate all the comics yeah. who acted like they invented stand-up. Yeah, yeah. You know, you, you, you know what I mean? That came along about it. it was always better in my day and you go, no, it isn't. It's yeah. always been moving on. Yeah. I was so impressed. Fucking, I loved... I, I was interviewed by Bob Monkos once and he had... He knew everyone coming through. Yeah. He loved comedy. It wasn't about... The part he had to play in the history of it, he loved comedy. There'll be comics coming through now who will go, well, this is what he does, and he did the ads, and he did it, and you go, right, okay, haters. There's a little bit in the back of your mind going, meet us on stage, you know. <laughs> but, but you're like a... But that's, you're, yeah, like, that's... you're like a dad arguing with a yeah, teenager are, in the you streets, are, aren't about... you? Going, you're not having your ball back. <laughs> it's about being young. And, you know, I, think old, I get older and the older I get with comedians. What I love about comedy is the way, and, and I think this, maybe that is changing a little bit, but it's the way that all people from different backgrounds do it and you come together and you're all comedians. And however you choose to do it, if you successfully do it, I, I have some respect for you. However, you know, because it, well, even if it's I, I wouldn't do that comedy. You know, get the young. You know, and when yeah. I was a young comedy fan, and a lot of the young comedy fans are on YouTube putting comments, are going, "Oh, I don't like this comedian, so that means they're shit." And mm. you know, and blah blah. And but actually, once you've walked the road for a few years, you kind of go, "Well, there's a lot to respect about that comedian, but also I just like comedy." And I, you know, you get older, and there's still comedians I don't like, but there is. But I was still respect. Like, well, well, it, it's it's a faster game now from starting to get into TV Jory yeah. there's a quicker turnover of picking people up and and either dropping them or going uh, I think there's less investment yeah definitely, definitely in talent and there's a lot more people trying to do it it's so hard to get through now I think so I, I don't think I could ever have well people switch you know what I mean they're, they're not at any channel long enough to no. get anything going because I've been in meetings where they've sworn to you. You know, they go, I'm going nowhere. And the next day, they've announced that they've left. And you go, it's just one text going, twat. <laughs> you, know, what, you know what I mean? What, 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 why even give us that ghost of hope? Yeah. Of, of... But then that's the business and you get used to that. And, that, yeah. and that's all thing of going. I think... <sighs> good stuff does make it through. It's frustrating that stuff that might be better than stuff that's out there doesn't make it through but every now and then you just you plug away for the love of it don't you yeah you've got to really want to do it something finds it and it finds a bigger <laughs> audience great but you you, you you try to 
sort of focus on the fact that you're still doing something that it did start somewhere with a bit of love of watching something yeah. on TV. You know what I mean? That you were drawn to it. Yeah. And the fact that you're still working in it. Yeah, but you're still... It's a very fortuitous thing. Yeah, but you still... It seems to me you're still loving what you're doing and you're still interested in comedy and finding new things to do. You're thinking about, you know, what, what you can do next. I think, I think you lose it when you stop caring and just think you're just, you're just thinking about the money or you're just thinking yeah. about the fame or whatever. But if you're still interested in comedy, it is that Bob Munkass thing. And Bob Munkass was a comedian who got decried, you know, and, and my generation of comedy fans, yeah. know, Bob Munkass, what an old, you know, gag-telling idiot. And then you get to know about him and you go, yeah, amazing. It's just that... that yeah, yeah, and I'd have had an opinion grow up, you know, going, yeah. oh, <laughs> he, 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 I, I remember arguing with somebody going... He's got that American thing of waits for the laugh after a gag, yeah. which I, you know what I mean. Amer yeah. American comics do. Yeah. I used to find it really grinding. Yeah, it was very slick, and you know, it was, a bit, it was a bit. Yeah, too slick. and I think there was a slickness that made me. Yeah. And at what point do you decide you don't like slickness? <laughs> it's a bizarre. Thing. You know the thing yeah. when you're drawn into it, you go, you want to watch somebody playing to ten people that you think is brilliant. <laughs> than someone on TV. I don't know if it's a natural reaction to what your parents like or what the public like for a while. And then you learn the craft and then you come back. And like, if you're fortunate to meet him or chat to him, well, you suddenly go, that was his style. Your style's your style. And you also realise that there's a lot... It's brilliant joining Twitter because you don't have to find out how many people fucking hate you. <laughs> And genuinely want you, you know what I mean? Yeah. They want stuff to happen to your car and everything. <laughs> Failed its MOT? Twat. <laughs> That's a weird door, you know what I mean? When you, when you open up, and that yeah. was something I said never do. And, and, and you do, and yet you're going, uh, again, it's Johnny. Johnny went, That's what it is, and walked off. And I, I, deal with the aftermath <laughs> it's really hard as Michael being on a public network now where you yeah. go I, just, I can't look at it if I've done a a yeah. show for a bit because because I hate to admit I would find it demoralising but then I've never let Johnny go on Twitter because <laughs> that would ruin <laughs> that would be the end of that that would <sighs> But no one's... No, no, There'd be no, no more mortgage payments after that, <laughs> wouldn't there? No, I don't think, you know, I just get the point where you think with that. No one's... No comedian should be liked by everyone. A lot of these people are coming onto Twitter to have a go at you because they, they assume you think that you think that everyone loves you. And, and maybe you did. <laughs> maybe you've been dissuaded of it. But, you know, it's not like you think everyone loves... <laughs> but you're not, you know, it's, not, it's not like you think everyone loves me, so, you know, I need to be told no. not. So they, they, they have an idea of you, so those people coming to try and chip you down are, are, are attacking a version of you that they don't know. It's, it's fine that people don't like you. It's kind of weird for those people to then track yeah, you down and let you know that they're not, like... Yeah, yeah, but then I post <laughs> off as Michael when I'm going... <coughs> Boiler's not working. Friday night, bugger. And somebody comes on and goes, I'm sick of you millionaires making out that you've got problems like the rest of us. And you're going, my fucking boiler's gone. Do you, th do you think I'm, I'm living Downton Abbey? What am I? I'll get the staff to run a metal, you know, boil the kettle and fill a metal bath for us. This is a real problem. It's not that I... And I've stupidly shared it with you. Yeah. And now there's somebody, possibly in a bed set, who, you know what I mean? <laughs> damaged his own family whilst drink driving. 
he's looking for someone to blame. He's got them really awful showers where you can't fold the door shut. Because <laughs> the cold water's pressing against his back. Of course he's going to go for me. <laughs> I'm a fat bloke with a wet room. <laughs> but... I don't know. It's something getting used to. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a new kind of criticism that you go, yeah. oh. And again, I think it's, it's that constant. I, I, I just don't have the anger that I used to. And yeah, I don't want to manufacture it. It, it. it was real with Johnny. Yeah. It wouldn't be now. It would be, uh, do you know what I mean? It, yeah. it would be that. And I'm, I, I love, my, my wife's so intuitive. And she said, early on, Johnny was up and coming and not part of the whether you like it or not yeah he's now part of the establishment so to go out and play the bloke who's up against it yeah is you you it, it, it's asking those who love you and those who hate you equally for too much suspended disbelief yeah but you find so it go out and reinvent yourself you do reinvent yourself I mean I think like, that idea of him just being in a suitcase on the in the corner of the stage, that's it. This is there. And Eckling, yeah, yeah, it's like, but it, it sort of is a bit like I thought you were going to sort of say it was a ventriloquist dummy. It's like having a ventriloquist dummy, which that part of you is like. I love the vent act. Someone like Nina Conti, who who mm. they have that voice that's them. That's their that's their Johnny, isn't it? That says the things that they want that they don't want them to say, but the the, the, the dummy says it. It's really interesting. So I think that's and that most comedians have that within them somewhere. I think that they're saying the things that they shouldn't be saying. Yeah, they're saying out here, yeah. well, when they're writing, they're looking in the mirror and going, yeah, well, yeah, just, yeah. that's because, yeah. Well, I think we've, uh, you know, it's, it's, I'd love to talk to you for another hour and a half, um, but <laughs> maybe we'll get you back on another time. Um, have you ever tried to suck your own cock? Yes. Yeah, good. Uh, so it's just, it's just for my notes. Well, I just look, look at this. It's, it's like impossible peace talks, isn't it? Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please give a massive round of applause to Johnny Vegas. Ladies and gentlemen. You have been listening to Richard Herring's Esther Square Theatre Podcast with me, Richard Herring, and my guest, Johnny Vegas. The music from this show is by the band Pest. They are quite good at playing instruments. Also, I want to thank everybody from the Nesta Square Theatre. I would also take this opportunity to say a thank you to Chris Evans, not that one, and all of his merry band of men and women, don't be sexist, uh, from the GoFasterStrike.com team. My producer, Ben Walker, produced this with his producing hands. It is a Sky Potato Fuzz and GoFasterStrike.com production. Please enjoy it. Thanks for listening to the show. You can come and see me do attempt to do all 12 of my one-man shows at the Leicester Square Theatre in August and September, Fridays and Saturdays. You can buy tickets to just one of them, or more if you like. The more you buy for, the cheaper the tickets become. And if you come to all 12, you get a free T-shirt designed by me and drawn by me, because I am a fucking idiot. I could not have put together. Go to LeicesterSquareTheatre.com to find out about those, or for tickets to future... I am indebted to the following people who helped us to pay for filming the podcasts. They are Matthew Smith, Ewan Duncan, Rob Applin, Darren Foote, Colin Anderson, Raymond Harpney, Kevin Tipcorn, Steve Mash, 
Dean Ratland, Gaynor Wilson, Adam Queck, Stuart Fawcett, Tim Turner, Julian Benton, Thomas Baldwin, Lauren Pilkington, Matthew Blackburn, Neil Martin, Jack Burton, Fraser Levy, Gina Lynn, Paul Jeffrey, Rob Ward, Robert Tang Richardson, Leo Vagoda, Carol Forster, Icky Kawa, Colm McGonagall, Aurora Watters, Jake, Heather Henderson, Simon Carl, Christine Sato, David Collier, Jijin John, Roy Owens, Matthew Poynton, and Shahabahu. Shahabahu. I don't know how to pronounce that. It's Shahabahu. That is what I think it is. Thomas Satchel, come on. Milo, Tim Killen, Tim Mays, Jim Duckett. Paul Matthews, Dave Appleby, John Kearney, Dan Shakir. Thank you to all of you and all the other people who gave some money to the Kickstarter. We hopefully will do some more things like that in the future. You can support us next time if you didn't this time. Thanks very much. Goodbye. <laughs>